This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica, and we're just happy to be here. What's going on, Jessica? Um, You know... Still Florida, <laughs> still that? still hot outside, hot, so hot. I felt like July was hot. I feel like August is just kicking it up a notch. And every year I forget it gets this hot. It's shocking. But these, these storms that we've been having, remember I was driving yesterday and I was like, we're having a tropical storm, like an official tropical storm every afternoon. Yeah, but and it keeps like, it cool. That's what you said. You're like, it keeps it cool. I'm like, great perspective. Absolutely. That's why we're better together. Yes. What's up with you? Oh, man, what is up with me? I am back to golfing as much as I can. I'm enjoying my living my best life. Yep. Our kids are back in school. School for a lot of people will be starting today. Yep. We started last week. Uh, our kids are in kind of a, it's like a private homeschool, private, it's a private school essentially. And so our kids started last week. So mm-hmm. we just got into that rhythm. And so if you're like, uh, you know, feeling that right now, we uh, know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, in fact, this past week, uh, we we were visiting Vieira Charter School. We were looking up there, and uh, they asked us if we could. Well, we have a partnership with them and a lot of other schools where we get involved, we help, and we were able to help Saturday, help do the final touches on their new building. We had mm-hmm. a crew up there just helping with furniture and different things like that. So, you know, we've got a partnership with another 11 schools in Bavard County where yeah. We look. We just look to see what we can we do to help you in this new season, this crazy season. You know, we've we've done this for years and years and years. And hey, how can we help your school? You know, a lot. Of, we'll get requests for normal stuff, pencils or pens or paper. This year, we're getting requests for hand sanitizer and masks yes. and yeah. different things. And so we're just happy to do that. We're happy to be a part of what's needed to to make school happen for uh, families and children. It's important that they get educated. Whether it's at home or in public school or private school, doesn't really matter. I love the but, relationship that we have with them and that they know they can reach out to us as the church. And it's not you and I, it's you guys. It's the church being the church. And we just get to be a conduit of what you guys have poured in, we're able to pour out and because they know to come to the church for the needs in their community. I think it's awesome. I do too. I, I do love too. It. Yep. And so we're doing that. Having a good time. That's what we're doing. <laughs> We're in Mark chapter 8 today, and I love the book of Mark. It is a really easy to understand gospel. There's four gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Mark, I think, is the easiest to understand. It's the, it's the just, it's simple. You know, I just need simple sometimes. Things are complicated. I just need simple. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have a book? I don't have a book, but again, I'm, you know, I'm going to just go back to last week and recommend the Bible. To all, okay. to one and all, you <laughs> read your Bible, I promise so you. is this like evidence you didn't do your homework and you're just like... This is evidence that I have been very busy and haven't had time to read outside of my Bible, which is good. Some day, you know, you just need that sometimes. Well, I'll give you a book that I'm reading, but I haven't finished, but I will finish uh, Acres of Diamonds by Jenston Franklin. Yes. I'm really liking that book. If you're looking for a great book to read, uh, it, I'll be preaching out of that book, uh, in some future messages, for sure. Amazing, uh, amazing stories and just biblical principles. And so really, really good stuff. I love Jenston Franklin. Let me spell his name for you because it's funny. J-E-N-T-E-Z-E-N. Jentizen. 
That's apparently <laughs> funny. Jensen. Because <laughs> well, if you say Jensen, it sounds like J-E-N-S-E-N. And it's, it's just Jensen not. Franklin. Yeah. So look him up. J. Franklin. <laughs> One other thing, Friday night, other things that are going on, as I'm reminding you about all the things that have been going on, Beautiful You. Hmm. What, tell us about Beautiful You. What's that all about? That was lovely. Uh, Beautiful You is a... Um, part of a ministry out of our church and it's a clothing swap, but really it's so much more than that. It is, um, it was birthed out of a desire to really give young women a proper view of their identity in the Lord. And, uh, so we pull them in with the clothing swap, but then we do worship and a message. And I was honored to be able to speak at that and it went really well. And so that's good. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, Clothing swap for teenage girls mm-hmm. in junior high. Yeah, they do it every year. High school? Yeah, junior high and high school. Cool. Yep. All right, we're in Mark chapter 8, and uh, you're going to go ahead and read first? Yeah, I'll read through 18. All right. I'll you start at 19. say to you, why are you trying to make me read 20 verses? <laughs> Just because. Nah, you're reading a verse 21. Oh, whatever. Got okay, em. fine. I must say to you, read. All right. In those days when there was again a large crowd gathered before him and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel compassion for the crowd. They have been with me now for three days and have nothing left to eat. If I send them away to their homes hungry, they will faint from exhaustion on the road because some of them have come a long way. His disciples replied to him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this isolated place to feed these people? He asked them, how many loaves of bread do you have? They said seven. He directed the people to sit down on the ground and taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and repeatedly gave them to his disciples to set before them and they served the crowd. They also had a few small fish. And when Jesus had blessed them and given thanks, he ordered these fish to be set before them as well. And the people ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large baskets full of the broken pieces that were left over. About 4,000 men were there besides women and children. And he sent them away. Then immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came out and began to argue contentiously and debate with him, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him because of their unbelief. He groaned and sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation demand a sign? I assure you and most solemnly say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again boarded the boat and left for the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to bring bread and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Jesus repeatedly ordered them saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. They began discussing this with one another saying, it is because we have no bread that he said this. Jesus, aware of this discussion said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Though you have eyes, do you not see? And though you have ears, do you not hear and listen to what I have said? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They answered 12. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they answered seven. And he was saying to them, do you still not understand? Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put, and excuse me, when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now Jesus and his disciples went out of the towns of Caesarea Philippi and on the road where he asked his disciples saying to them, 
who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elisha and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered, said, said to him, you are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When he had called the people to himself, Uh, with his disciples also. He said to them, whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his house? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whatever is, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. Amen. Where to start? Oh, I can start if you like. Go for it. So I really, really love this story. And this chapter, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's got some stories that are in other parts of the Bible. Uh, one, when Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ, um, we actually sat in this place in Caesarea Philippi where mm-hmm. Jesus spoke to him. And uh, there's so much more than what you get to read in Mark uh, and some of the other uh, books of the Bible that explain this in more detail. Uh, I'll, I'll just say this about the book of Mark. The book of Mark is like a condensed version of somewhere between Matthew and Luke. And now, I'm not saying somebody took Matthew and Luke and condensed it down into the book of Mark, but generally speaking, what's in Mark is going to be found in Matthew and it's going to be found in Luke. And it's usually going to be in lesser detail and simpler. In fact, it might be the first book I would recommend anyone reading in the Bible is actually the book of Mark because it's simple, it's easy to understand, it's all about Jesus and his life. And Matthew starts with a genealogy, which is like, what am I reading right now? Like a, like a you know, historical document. It's, it's no fun, the first uh, book of Matthew. So anyway, I'll start with that. But I want to go into the feeding of the 4,000. Did you want to say anything before I get into that? No. The feeding of the 4,000. So when Jesus feeds uh, people um, who have no food, uh, there's this feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 happens. A little boy gives his lunch of five loaves and two fish, and Jesus breaks the bread and gives it out to 5,000 men, and not even including women and children, which would be another 15,000 people approximately. Uh, they would estimate it was actually feeding 20,000 people. And a lot of people talk about that. In fact, when we were in Israel, one of the places we visited, they have a whole area where this happened and a... Uh, I guess it would be a church or a chapel where they have a, the altar up at the chapel. It's like a table where you'd put communion, those type of things where a pastor or a priest would speak from. Underneath it, they have actually four loaves and in a basket and two fish. 
and they signify that you are the fifth loaf. The reason why the artist did four loaves because he wanted to be like, you're the fifth loaf, get out there and start reaching people, you know, bringing Jesus to people, right? Um, and so, so much is said about the miracle of the 5,000, but the miracle of the 4,000, and I heard a pastor say this the other day, but what, what it reminded him of is that if God will do it once for the feeding mm-hmm. the 5,000, he shows in feeding the 4,000 that if he does it once, he'll do it again. Like it, like God's miracles are not just like one off, you know, and in your life, maybe God did something wonderful for you years ago or last year. And you're just like, man, where's all of that at? Look, if he did it once, he can do it again mm-hmm. and he can do it in different ways. And so the message I really wanted just to share at the beginning of this is that don't be discouraged if you haven't seen much from the Lord lately and God will restore things that that you've lost and that have been broken in your life, but you got to put yourself in proximity to what he's doing. And uh, the disciples always did that. They were always around Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, God's always here. He's always around us, but our heart and our mind, we have a choice if we're going to tune in to him. We have a choice if we're going to tune into what he's doing. And I just, I want to encourage it. Tune into what God's doing. Let him work that miracle in your life one more time, right? He'll do it again. Yeah, I think that's a lot of it is about perspective because we've seen God move. Let's say we've seen God move and we feel like we haven't seen him move. We feel like we don't see breakthrough coming and we feel like we're stuck. But it's the perspective that he never changes. He's always here. We've never been left or forsaken. And when you have the perspective that he's always working, that song, I can't remember the name of it, but like even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't, especially when you can't feel it, he is still you working. Never stop. Yes. You never stop working. That song. You never stop. You never stop working. That's it. Yes. <laughs> what is that song <laughs> called? I can't even remember it. Anyway, Google it. Um, I really liked the beginning too about the feeding of the 4,000. And I really thought it was interesting that Jesus is the one who called his disciples to him and he said, I feel compassion for the crowd. And I think that's such an important thing for us to remember that Jesus looks at us. He looks at you. He looks at your situation and he feels compassion for what you're going through. And then he uses people to bring what you need. So he's using us. It's just like we are the fifth loaf. Like he is using us to bring the hope of the world, right? We, Jesus is the light of the world. We are the light of the world when we are reflecting him and we're bringing him to people. So I love that idea that he has compassion for us and he is bringing the need, he's bringing the awareness of the need to the disciples to be like, hey, I want to send them home, but they need food, you know? And so I, I, just, I just feel like Jesus is saying that to us. We helped, you really helped. I helped facilitate a little bit. Um, one, someone who's been in our church for a really long time, they're moving and they're a single mom and they needed help. And she reached out and asked for help. And it's like, Jesus is making us aware of the need. And then we're going to be the church. We're going to meet that need and be with, be there on behalf of Jesus. Like that, that's what it means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I just like that. That's really good. You know, I want to keep following on of the feeding of the 4,000. Jesus begins to go into this conversation after the Pharisees, uh, which were these religious people that obviously couldn't see what God was doing. They're seeking a sign in verses 11 through 12. And, uh, you know, maybe if they were just hanging out with Jesus for like five minutes, they would have saw 4,000 men just get fed by seven loaves of bread, but whatever, who's, you know, who's judging here? (laughs) Not me, obviously. Anyway. Um, so he begins to talk to his disciples and he says, first he says, beware of the leaven 
of the Pharisees. Okay? Now, I, I like this verse a lot. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And for the longest time, I had no idea what I was saying. Like, I didn't know what leaven was. I didn't anything, any, I have no idea what leaven was at one point in my life. And it's just like completely ir- irrelevant to most modern Americans. We don't care about leaven. We don't think about baking bread and making bread too often. And when we do bake bread, we, we don't think about leaven. We think about like Fleischmann's yeast, we, you know, dump in the dough, let it rise for an hour, throw in the oven, right? Um, but me and Jessica uh, discovered like basically making our own bread from scratch, like not from store-bought yeast years ago. And so Jessica began to make bread, I would say, when our oldest child was like four or five, and now he's 15. So for 10 years, mm-hmm. you've been making bread with leaven or uh, starter, as we call it now. Um, and starter that we got from a friend who they bought from, where was it? Europe somewhere? Norway I think like Netherlands or, Netherlands or somewhere. Yeah. So here's how it works when you make bread from scratch. You need something called a starter. And back in those days, it would have been the same same thing. It would be fermented dough, okay? Fermented dough, and it looks just like regular dough. It's white, and it would sit in, it sits in one of our mason jars, and it's got to breathe. You've got to feed it. You've got to add more flour. It's alive. It's got yeast and all that in it, but all that comes from the fermenting process that takes usually 24 to 48 hours to make this dough. Now, if someone came to us today and said, hey, I've got some, I want to make some dough uh, now, they would come and make some dough today, let's say, make some bread today. We would say, sure, take half of our starter, our leaven. Mm-hmm. We'd give that to them. They would add that into their dough, and their, which is made from the water and the salt and the flour, and they'd mix it up. And, you know, let's say 10 hours from that point, they would have it, it would rise, and they could bake that bread and eat it, right? And so if someone wanted bread now, they need, and from, from scratch, from flour and water, they would need some starter. They'd need some leaven from somebody. And when somebody drops an idea into your life, when someone drops a word into your life, when someone gossips about someone else into your life, when someone speaks a word of life and truth into, a, into someone, it's like taking that starter and going, hey, let me birth something in you. Let me plant something in you. That idea or that seed is planted in you. And in this case, that yeast or that leaven is put into the dough of your life. And hours later, it rises into something. Mm. And then that rises into a, and that's cooked into a piece of bread. And then that bread, uh, in this case, Jesus said, hey guys, I don't think you get it. What happened when I had 12 or you know five loaves and two fish? Wow, we turned that into 12 baskets of bread, right? Now, what happened just now when when we got the bread? uh, Seven baskets? For the seven, seven, right? Uh, Seven pieces of bread for this 4,000 people, right? Um, He's What Jesus was saying, like, what I give you and what you give to me, but what what Jesus gives to us multiplies into feeding the thousands, Mm -hmm. right? Jesus leavened into our life, Jesus' seed into our life, Jesus, his life and his words of life, when put into us, can be broken up and fed thousands upon thousands of people. But when the enemy 
or when a Pharisee or when, you know, someone operating in a dark spiritual uh, way, a motive um, in the flesh, when they put a deposit in your life, that grows into something that will corrupt you and you'll be eating from that corruption. And you, you wonder, you know, uh, you wonder why maybe you're struggling. I might say, well, who are you listening to? Mm-hmm. You're like, whose voice are you listening to? And uh, if, I, you know, it's interesting how gossip works. A lot of times, you know, someone will say negative, something negative about someone else. And you're like, you have no concept about that person of those types of things. You have a great view of them. But the second they say it, you're on, automatically like on the hunt for like, well, that must be true because they said it. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, hmm, is it true? Is it true? And you're waiting. And so then that person makes a mistake. and You're like, ah, it's true. It's, it is true. And you can go from liking somebody uh, to hating somebody just by receiving gossip into your life and slander into your life just by receiving like a negative word into your life. And the good news is uh, God can destroy those words with a snap of a finger Mm -hmm. because it's God's leaven or it's God's bread breaking power that can overcome, you know, feed 20,000 people when these Pharisees, seven loaves feed seven people, right? Uh, And honestly, when the Lord brings up seven, brings seven loaves, it can feed 4,000 people plus women and children. I think God's word is much more powerful. Our choice today and right now, and really the question we have to ask ourselves is, what voice are we listening to? Who, what people in our life are speaking into our life? When, when you're struggling with your marriage, do you drink or eat from the loaf or the leaven of people who have terrible relationship history? Yeah. Like, oh, we're all guilty of that. We oftentimes don't want to talk to somebody with good relationships because it's embarrassing because we're failing, you know, and we don't want to reveal to people with good, a good thing going that, yeah, our marriage is struggling. Our finances are struggling. You know, my thought life is struggling because it's embarrassing. So it's easier to go to somebody who's also bit struggling and has, doesn't have any success in that area to say that. Cause they're like, Oh, I totally got it. You know, like I got out or whatever. Right. And then they give you advice, Useless advice most of the time. Pharisee kind of advice. Uh, you know, poisonous leaven that will destroy your life. Yeah. Where we got to learn to humble ourselves. And if we got a problem with somebody, go to them. You know, if we have a problem in our marriage, go to somebody like your pastor or somebody that actually has a decent relationship and humble yourself and say, we don't know what we're doing. Help us, please. Pray with us, please. We need your help, you know. Don't just go to the people that are comfortable because... You know, they won't challenge you or anything like that. Go to the people that will bless you with words of life. When you said humble yourself, I was going to say, I I literally think everything comes down to pride. It's the thing that caused Satan to get cast out of heaven like lightning. It is, it is the crux of everything. <laughs> if we could just humble ourselves and go to the people who are really going to speak life into us, and not be worried. It's just a lot. We're believe when we are staying in that pride of like we don't want people to think we can't. We don't have it all together. Or we don't want people to think poorly of us. Or we don't want to just. We don't know. It's it is a lie from the enemy to say that they have it together or so and so has it together, and they would ever judge you because it's keeping us from community. 
And when we can be our authentic selves and be vulnerable with one another and, and confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you would be healed. That's actually, I think it's James 5, 16, and I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but I think that's where that is. That talks about confessing to one another to say, hey, my friend who's going to give me good advice, who I see living a godly life, who I see pouring herself out and serving the Lord, I'm struggling with this thought. I'm struggling with this, with my husband. I'm struggling with whatever. And that person is going to, you're going to, you're going to take the, away the, um, you're going to take that thought out of your darkness and even in your own head and bring it into the light. That alone is enough usually to snap yourself out of it. Then you're going to bring it to someone who's actually going to pray with you. And then healing comes like it's so simple. And the enemy wants to keep us trapped and locked in our own deceptive thoughts He wants us to feel like people are going to judge us, but that is completely a lie. Like that's what I talked about at Beautiful You. If they do judge you, who cares? They're not. They didn't make you. That's not your problem. They don't get to judge you. Yeah, it's not your problem. What they do with it. I mean, I you do have to be careful with who you speak to. Again, that is the whole point of this. Is like, who are you speaking to? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Who are you allowing access to your life? That's very important. If someone is a gossiper, or if they just talk to you all the time about their hurts. That's key word for gossip. If nothing is getting any better. (laughs) (laughs) I want to share a verse with you. It's in first John two for all this. And it's talking about people that love the world and the love of the father is not in them. It says this in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Pretty much every problem we have can be summed up into lust of the flesh lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It desiring the things of our flesh, looking and wanting and envying the things other people have, and then the pride that comes in and poisons us when we when we try to appear differently than we are. Um, and, you know, the, this is so important that we remove these things. And I would say all this is wrapped up in the ego of a, of a person. Mm-hmm. Do you have a humble ego? You know, do you have a prideful ego? Like yeah. you're... In internal view of yourself, is it humble or is it prideful? Is are you living full of lust and desire? You know that lust and pride lead you into temptation. We would encourage you to counteract that through the power of Christ and through humbling yourself. And uh, we're going to be done with the show now. We're going to end on that note because our time is up. Thanks yes. for listening. See you next week. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. God bless you. 
Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. We want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.